first thing in the morning. It's first thing on WJR. Here's Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale. Well, we heard earlier this week that Brad Allen and his officiating crew have been demoted after what I call the debacle in Dallas, but um, then they will not officiate any playoff games more than likely. But it is week 17. No, it's week 18, right? Because there's one more game now in the NFL regular season. Uh, it is week 18. So uh, they do have one more regular season game. And Renee, Jason, that game that they're going to be <clears throat> officiating has been announced. And it is? It is. Steelers uh, Jason, and Ravens. Yes. And a Jason game that was, means uh, uh, nothing because the Ravens are locked in for the one seed in the AFC. And the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers have been eliminated. So no pressure on the, rece- the receiving crew, the referee crew this week. So what you're saying is they can't screw this up. No, and even, and even if, if they, they do, right, it won't matter. Right. Somehow they're going to screw it up so bad that the that the Ravens are going to fall out of playoff contention. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. These these teams' fates are already determined. I haven't seen the other slate of games, but yeah, like you said, Renee, even if they screw it up beyond all recognition. Uh, it's not going to affect anything. Well, and, and it, I, and it I, also brings up a point, too, uh, that has been uh, a topic for years. These guys are part-time. Why aren't they Why aren't they full-time referees in this league that is generating so much money that these guys can, can perfect their craft full-time? Right. Well, do you think if they were full-time, at, at least on game days, it would matter one way or the other? I, I guess may, maybe it would, Jason, because – uh, it seemed like everyone was fuzzy on the rules and 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 who checked in and who didn't. So actually, I, I think to your point, I just talked myself into agreeing with you here. Yeah, and and I, and I know it's it's hard to uh, to plan for a, a miscommunication, but mm-hmm. and this and this is something that's I don't think has happened before. So right. you know, you you live and you learn when something new happens. So yes. So this game will essentially be a preseason game. I I would imagine that we're not going to see a whole lot of starters. So it's going to be mostly an exhibition game. Now, Monday's Rolls Bowl between Alabama and Michigan drew huge numbers. At its peak, there were 34 million people watching, which makes it not only the most watched college football playoff game since 2018, but one of the top 10 cable telecasts of all time. And I think that, yeah. And I think, Renee, I think it's because, Michigan and Alabama are two huge brands in college football that I think the last time they played was 2014. So don't play very often. And I think a smart move was moving the semifinal from new year's Eve, which was disastrous because nobody's staying home to watch college football on new year's Eve and put it back on new year's day. Right. What else are you doing other than recovering? (laughs) Right which is probably why they put these games on New Year's Day to begin with. Well, you know, and I thought that too, but the NFL was on Sunday, and I think that's why that happened. Oh, well, Uh they should should keep it that way. But now, I mean, now it's going to be a 12-team playoff, so I'm not sure how that's going to work. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Texas and Washington, they drew 24.5 million people at its peak. And uh, I wonder how many of those 24.5 million people saw the flasher. Did you guys hear about this? I heard about it. I did not. Um, ESPN, they're apologizing for airing coverage of a woman flashing the camera during Monday night's (laughs) Sugar Bowl. 
Yeah, it happened. You know how, like, when they're coming back from commercial, it'll show like shots of the city or, or sure. shots of. They were showing shots of Bourbon Street. What do and, you think uh, was going to happen? Are you yeah, talking you're about taking the, a chance there? Aren't you? Right. Well, and you know what? These things are normally pre-recorded, and 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 this was probably pre-recorded. And I did watch the video for research purposes. Uh-huh. And I'm gonna have to it happened it, it happened so quickly that I wonder if more people know about it now that it's in the news than it, 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 if it would have just come and gone without any fanfare because I heard nothing about it until uh, the news report came out. It's a it's a very, very fast um, if you blink, you miss it. Somebody had to really, really have been watching it and breaking down the film. Essentially, what it looked like is it looked like th- this woman was uh, adjusting her top and, you know, peekaboo. <laughs> but knowing that you're taking footage from the French Quarter, Bourbon Street specifically, uh, wouldn't you double, triple, quadruple check that? <laughs> Right, maybe put that on your biggest screen and have a couple of uh, pairs of eyes on it. Right. Who yeah. who was watching that tape? Brad Allen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, hey, Brad. He's everywhere. Uh, we're we're gonna put you in the college football editing booth where you can't do any damage. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> well, to be fair, that woman never checked in with him. So exactly. <laughs> uh, so. So uh, we just wrapped up another green and gray Christmas here in Michigan. And if you thought that December was unseasonably warm and not very snowy, you're you're actually on to something. Yeah. According to data published on New Year's Day by the National Weather Service, the average temperature for the Detroit area in December 2023 was 40.1 degrees. It was the third warmest December on record for the city. So those above freezing temperatures also meant that metro area saw virtually no snow. In total, we had 0.1 inches of snow, not even a full inch of snow that were recorded for the entire month of December in Detroit. The National Weather Service said that it was the second least snowy December on record coming in after an even less snowy December in 2014. And it seems that no snow is what is going to continue into 2024. The National Weather Service's Climate Prediction Center predicts that the Great Lakes region will have an above normal temperature and below normal like likelihood of perception in Jan- or precipitation in January as well. So this trend Thank is you, going Aminio. to continue. Did it say anything about how much rain we got in December? Uh, it did not. Because that's got to be some kind of a record, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree right. with you. I, I'm fine with this, to be honest. It's okay. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. Since we had barely any snow in December, we might as well just continue that through 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 the winter. Because, to be honest, the only time I want to see snow is around Christmas time. If uh, this is the template for the rest of winter, I'm fine with it. But yeah. I, I feel like... I feel like January has been mild lately, and then we get creamed in, like, February and right. then into March. Right. And 12 inches on opening day. Right. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. It, it, opening day has been brutal the past few years. I, I'm not a fan of this gray. Uh, I'll be honest. The, this past right. week where there's been no sun, we are getting some sunshine tomorrow. Uh, the gray, it, it is a little sad and depressing, but well, the, I'll deal with that over this, you know, the, right. the the terrible pounding that we get of snow. The drawback, the drawback of these 
warm gray winters is they 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 really do feel like they go on and on and on yeah. because it's the same you know it's the same bleh weather for months and months and months and jason i I've, I've actually thought of looking into um how many white christmases we've had as opposed to white opening days because i always feel <laughs> i always feel like there's snow more often on opening day than actually on christmas well, we had snow on on halloween yeah. Right. Wasn't that, like a, it wasn't the uh, opening day a few years ago when Miggy hit that home run and it was just right through all the snowflakes. I believe that I was two so. years ago. It's like, boy, is that just, that's just. Pure that's, Michigan. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. It's always like 20 degrees on opening day. And when we were kids on Halloween, it, it always seemed like it was, it, it was colder than on Christmas. Yeah. Like, um, You'd have this great costume and you you had one of two choices. You either put it, your mom either made you put a jacket on over your costume right. or you put it underneath the costume. You just look like the marshmallow right. man from, from Ghostbusters. Right. I got to say, though, I don't remember that 0.1 inches of snow in December. I'm, I've, I've been racking my brain. We did get to... a dusting. I do remember a dusting that stuck around for like uh, a night. Right. We were yeah. probably sleeping. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And you know what? I, I I vaguely remember us doing a bit about how I'm not shoveling uh, a snowfall that's that light when right. it's supposed to be like 50 <laughs> the next day. Uh, so the 1928 Steamboat Willie version of Mickey Mouse has officially entered the public domain because, well, it's really, really old. So, of course, what's the next uh, what's the next course of action? A horror movie starring Mickey as a serial killer. Of course. It's called Mickey's Mouse Trap. Uh <laughs> set to be released later on this year. And and uh, they did the same thing with Winnie the Pooh who op- uh entered the public domain back in 2022, didn't they, Renee? Yep, it was called Blood and Honey. It actually came out last year and it was a horror flick. It was right. as bad as you think it would be. Right. And, and I remember there was uh I you know I, I'm sure Pride and Prejudice has been in the public domain if it, it it if it was ever out of the public domain. I remember a couple of years ago there was a movie called Pride and Prejudice with Zombies. Uh, there was uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. It, this kind of this kind of seems to be sort of the the lazy wacky take on things in the public domain. Mm-hmm. Um, now there there are other multiple copyrights on multiple other versions of Mickey Mouse. And he can't be used as a marketing tool for anyone other than Disney. However, it's now legal to use him as a character in this horror movie. There's also a video game where Mickey Mouse is a psycho killer. And uh, it has to be the older version of Mickey. It can't be like the uh, more modern Mickey that we all know. It has to be the older looking Mickey. Right. The very, very rudimentary version of Mickey. And I'm surprised it's horror movies. Uh, I thought it would have been adult films or something. So (laughs) at least it's a little more wholesome than where my mind was. You might be onto something, Mike. (laughs) Yeah. Look, I love horror movies. I love camp. That being said, I think this is dumb. (laughs) Well, There's there's definitely a market for it. No, you guys, there's a market for it. Well, just because there's a market for it doesn't mean it's not dumb. <laughs> Somebody's going to make money on it. Right. I, I mean, here's the thing. I like camp, but I like camp that's not, um, it's not deliberate, right? I like camp when someone tries to make a good movie and they fall short. Yeah. I don't like manufactured camp. Like Snakes on a Plane, absolutely no interest in that because you knew they were trying to make a movie that right. was, quote, so bad it was good. Right, right. 
Cocaine bear. Out. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want to see successful camp. I want my camp to be somebody who failed at trying to make a good movie. <laughs> like, uh, have you guys heard of this movie, The Room? It was the uh, it, it was the movie that uh, James Franco's The Disaster Artist was was based off of. I did it's not. Rega- I've heard right. of it. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's regarded as one of the worst movies of all time. And, and just go to YouTube and and um, uh, just just Google clips of the room. Don't worry. You don't need to watch the movie because the plot doesn't make sense. But this guy genuinely tried to make a good movie. And it's one of the worst movies of all time. But since he was actually genuinely trying to make a good movie and it's so bad, it's beloved. And uh, <laughs> and, and and I think that... Uh, you fall short of that when you try to make something like Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, or, or yeah. the Mickey Mouse Trap. Because right. oh look, we're we're uh, we're we're deliberately being wacky. So anyway, uh, as you can tell, I probably will not be seeing it unless I find it on TV and my remote is broken and my legs don't work. I love your passion for this and how your stance on it all, Mike. That's true. This is the strongest stance I've probably taken all year. I know. Dang it, this has gone far enough. All right, we got to take a break. It's first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale on WJR. Well, Renee, it's never easy coming back to work after uh, a week off. But the good news, at least this year, is that um, it's already Wednesday. It feels like Tuesday, but it's already Wednesday. I like that. I can argue with that. And then so next, well, it's a leap year, so I don't know. I was going to say next year it'll be a Wednesday, but maybe later. So so disregard what I said um, about that. But already thinking I, ahead to I, next year. Forward thinker. I, I, I Yeah, I'm always wondering what's I, some would call me a visionary. But sure. uh, who am I? Who am I to tell them that they're wrong? Uh, for a four day work week, I think is actually the perfect length. Uh, you know, five, five just seems like after four, you're done. And then that fifth day, you're just kind of, uh, you're, you're just kind of mailing the envelope there. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let, let's get back to Sean Fain on that four day work week. I think he was onto something. He really was. Uh, big surprising news coming out of Harvard yesterday. At least I was surprised about it. Yeah, uh, President the Harvard President Claudine Gay resigned yesterday, weeks after she appeared before Congress in a disastrous hearing on anti-Semitism. Gay, a political scientist and Harvard's first black president, came under scrutiny for her testimony, as well as allegations of plagiarism in her published work. During a December 5th congressional hearing, Gay appeared alongside other elite university presidents testifying about their school's response to anti-Semitism on campus in the wake of the Israel-Hamas war. Their testimonies were criticized by the White House and lawmakers from both parties. Since the hearing, MIT's President Sally Kornbluth has remained in her role, but Liz McGill resigned as president of the University of Pennsylvania following calls from the board of the Wharton Business School uh, and uh, Pennsylvania following calls from the board of the Wharton Business School and the loss of a $100 million donation. Gay will have the shortest tenure in the school history. Uh, she wrote a letter to the campus community saying it has become clear that it is in the best interest of Harvard for me to resign so that our community can navigate this moment of extraordinary challenge. 
uh, with a focus on the institution rather than any individual. Uh, Gay said that she will return to Harvard's faculty. Harvard's provost and chief academic officer, Alan M. Garber, will serve as interim president. Yeah, and after, um, I believe it was Liz McGill from Penn stepped down, it seemed like um, the powers that be at Harvard tried to get behind President Gay and say that she wasn't going anywhere. But I, I guess when you lose that much that much money uh, from your donors who were, who were very upset about her for not strongly denouncing anti-Semitism and, and threats against the Jewish community, uh, I, I guess money talks. And I, I guess that's not something that you can recover from uh, officially. Officially, the reason is that, uh, you know, she engaged in plagiarism, but I think most of us uh, believe that it was that testimony that did her in. And and you mentioned, Renee, that uh, she will uh, stay on as a faculty member at Harvard and she will receive her full president's salary, which to me doesn't sound like much of a punishment. If well, someone no. were to say... It sounds like she actually got easy street. She's going to collect the same money for less work. Right. If if someone came to you and said, Renee, you're going to get a huge raise and we're promoting you to uh, CEO of traffic. And <laughs> I want that then, title. <laughs> right. Uh, and then three months later, they say, well, Renee, sorry, this isn't working out. You're going to go back to just doing traffic, but you're still going to get paid uh, as the CEO of traffic. You're still going to be rich and you're going to have to do less work. I would say that that would feel like another promotion to me. Right. It sounds that sounds fantastic. I'll We're say learning. something stupid. <laughs> right. Exactly. I say something stupid daily. <laughs> Look, I'll sit there and be dressed down by Congress for, you know, however many hours she was up there. If I can make a, a CEO salary just being a lowly small town pizza lawyer, I'll do that. I don't right, care. Right. Um, we're learning more details about that house explosion out in Northfield Township uh, that happened on Saturday. Police said, and this is from WXYZ. Police said Tuesday that the homeowner is 72-year-old Richard Pruden and that his daughter and her family were visiting from Arkansas at the time of the blast. Now, uh, Richard's daughter, Hope Bragg, uh, she was one of the deceased. So was her husband, Don. Their son, Kenneth, and their daughter, Elizabeth, all four of them died in the explosion. Uh, Richard Pruden, the homeowner, he survived. And his 16-year-old son, Stephen, survived they're both in stable condition but uh i mean we've all seen the pictures this this was a, a house explosion that happened there's absolutely nothing left um authorities believe that it was in an undetermined fuel air explosion i don't know what that means but no foul play is expected um the michigan state police and the etf they are assisting the investigation then there is a vigil this saturday at 3 p.m at the whitmore lake high school but what what an absolute devastating thing to happen to a family and a community coming out of the holiday season. You know, the authorities were saying that they the walls in the basement just absolutely crumbled. It's something that they have never seen before. Uh, just absolute devastation, as you said, Mike. And, you know, it just seasoned professionals that have investigated this have never seen anything like it. And it's as far as I know, it's pretty rural out there. So I don't know if they were using natural gas or they had a big yeah. propane tank to, to heat their house. But um, I, I, one year, I remember um, my neighbor's house actually caught fire on New Year's Eve. And um, 
the, the uh, uh, fire department, they got there, but it was too late. And oh. just uh, I'll never forget them coming home and just, um, you know, the, the family's reaction when they saw what happened to their house. It's very scary. <sighs> yeah, I can and, only imagine. And I'm one of those. Yeah. And I'm one of those people. I learned this from my mom. I checked the stove like 10 times before I leave, even well, if sure. I haven't cooked something in two weeks. I mean, it's ever since I saw that in stories like this, it's, it's like unlocked this new uh, fear. Mm-hmm. I even yeah. go as far as uh, unplugging the coffee pot. Do you? I get that nervous. And wow. I heard that that you should do that and just in case it uh, I've heard in some cases it starts doing its job without you like um, even turning it on or something. A, tradi- wow. <laughs> a traditional coffee pot or like a Keurig? I've heard from a traditional coffee pot. Now I have a Keurig and I do the same thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, better safe than sorry. Um, Hezbollah's news outlet is reporting that a high-ranking Hamas official has been killed, Renee. Yeah, Hamas said Tuesday that one of its senior leaders has been killed in an attack in the south of the Lebanese capital, Beirut, raising fears of a potential escalation in fighting in the region. Salah A. Ari, uh, deputy head of the political bureau of Hamas, was martyred in a treacherous Zionist airstrike in oh. Beirut. Ari was considered one of the founding members of the group's military wing and was based in Beirut. Two other leaders from Hamas's military wing were also among those killed in the strike. In addition to dealing a blow to Hamas's leadership, the apparent attack also risks further broadening the arena of the Israeli-Hamas conflict. It would mark the biggest Israeli strike on the Lebanese capital since two, since the 2006 war between the two countries. Lebanese Prime Minister Najib Makati condemned the attack and said that the explosion is a new Israeli crime aimed at at drawing Lebanon into a new phase of confrontation, referring to the months-long tit-for-tat conflict between Hezbollah and Israeli forces in the Lebanon-Israel Israel border region. I love that non-biased reporting. Hezbollah yeah. comes out so that he was martyred. Martyred. In, yeah, okay, bro. Uh, the Israeli military, <laughs> they're also saying that it has captured a Hamas command center located across 37 buildings in the heart of civilian territory in Gaza. And um, yesterday, Benjamin Netanyahu and his war cabinet met talking about post-war strategy in Gaza. So hopefully that means that this conflict is nearing an end, although I don't believe so. I don't believe that. Yeah. um, I I heard today that it might go on throughout the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, Let's just assume until we hear otherwise. Yeah. And then, of course, we we, we see how long this um, conflict between Ukraine and Russia has has been going on right. so yeah we're gonna be that. yeah there's gonna be these two wars are gonna be fought for a very very long time right. uh donald trump he has officially appealed maine's decision to keep him off the ballot he's expected to appeal the colorado supreme court decision that did the same as well um the state gop in colorado already appealed the decision to keep donald trump off the ballot like we said the other day this is going to uh this is going to sunset long before the Supreme Court hears it. And and the rules are, if uh, the Supreme Court doesn't make a ruling to remove Donald Trump from the ballot by the time the ballots are printed, then then he's on the ballot. So um, and a really weird story. An arrest was made early Tuesday morning after a man broke into the Colorado Supreme Court building and started opening fire. The incident began about 115 
Colorado time lasted about two hours and it ended when the intruder called the police on himself and surrendered to them. There, there were no injuries reported, but there was severe damage done to the building. Preliminary reports said that there's a high probability that the incident is not connected to recent threats made against Colorado Supreme Court justices after they ordered Trump off the ballot, despite both the FBI and invest uh, both the FBI and uh, law enforcement in the state investigating multiple threats against the justices. There was a two vehicle crash in front of the courthouse right before yeah. the break in occurred and a, a person involved in that crash reportedly pointed a handgun at the other driver. So, so strange. It really is strange. And I mean, it, it's hard, hard to believe that this had nothing to do with someone being mad about Donald Trump being ordered off the ballot. But I, I guess stranger things has happened. Is Colorado becoming the new Florida with the weird stories? You know what? That's a good question. <laughs> there, there's got. Uh, I think the Florida man thing started on uh, the legendary news roundup website, FARC. Yeah. Where people used to go to look for their wacky news stories before Reddit was around. Right. And uh, that's a good. That's a good point, Renee. I mean, Colorado. Colorado seems like it's the. Uh, it's the. Uh, uh, the the liberal mirror image to wacky Florida. Right. All right, we got to take a quick break. It's first thing. Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. And as always, just like in 2023, in 2024, this is the time <laughs> of uh, the show that we bring in Guy Lloyd and Jamie from JR Morning. Morning, uh, morning crew. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I would like to start this segment by um, giving my condolences to Jamie. It seems like her hometown team, the Steelers, drew the short straw, and they're sure going did. to be seeing the playoff officiating. implications. Possibly, I mean, we don't have high hopes for the Steelers this year, but they could. Oh, you got oh the same referee. Oh, they I were see, not demoted. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, they weren't. I mean, the original story was they were going to be demoted for the playoffs. So we really don't right. know yet, right? Well, uh, good point. But they were but, given a prime time game. <laughs> yeah. But last time they worked, he, you know, they made some moves that changed the whole NFC. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the The exciting thing about this officiating crew is they're making the playoffs start uh, two weeks early in the regular season. <laughs> 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 The craziest See, Jamie, thing is the video the NFL released yesterday, sort of blaming the Lions, yeah. saying what it's the uh, it's the players' responsibility to um, make sure the referee heard them, right? When they check in, and they like, circled Dan Skipper when Dan Skipper didn't report, right? And so it's just it's just a mess. Instead of just saying, "Hey, you know what? I messed up. I'm human." Just owning it. I thought it was Dan Skipper, but it was Taylor Decker. You got to see the billboards, though. The oh, billboards are yes. awesome. Yes, on 75 and 696. What, what, I <laughs> yeah. haven't seen oh, Decker, that. Re- Please tell. Decker, Decker reported. reported. That's one. <laughs> Two words. <laughs> and one is twelve and f- is uh, 11 it's, and 5, and it's crossed yeah. out. It says 12 I, and 4. I saw mine wow. on the uh, Southbound Lodge heading to 75 yesterday. Uh-huh. We don't know who's behind them yet, do we? No, no. they just say fans. But can we just fans. say that we love you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's one of those things Red that you kind of wish you would, you would have thought of. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, hey, listen, those... had the disposable income to spend. Right. <laughs> right. Those, those things That's aren't true. cheap unless, uh, you know, is it Gannett? I don't know who owns the billboards, but maybe they gave them a really nice fat discount because they're tick two. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, may, I actually... Maybe they're, they're, Go Sorry, ahead, I actually worked on television last night, and I ran a bite from Dan Campbell, 
And he was saying, don't do that. Let's not all get into a frenzy that the refs are against. Don't do that. There's still everything ahead of us. We haven't started the tournament yet. Don't do it. He's such a better person than <laughs> I could ever be. Well, but he you has know. to refocus his players. You know, yeah. he can't feed yeah. this. Thing. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's it a cannot smart fester. move. No. Somebody said yesterday to me, well, yeah, he's so classy. I said, he's, he's, let me tell you, behind the scenes, I'm sure he's not that classy. <laughs> uh-huh. you, you know, with the threat of an NFL fine, he's got to be really careful with what he says. Right. Yeah. Of course. Yes. I think he called it, uh, this may not be the right term, but controlled outrage. Something like that. Controlled fury. Controlled fury. There it is. Which is my motto for 2024. (laughs) 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 But controlled fury, that was was the phrase that he uttered at his press conference. I believe it was on New Year's Day. Uh That And his demeanor, like I said, it it filled me with confidence. And I I understand um, Dan Campbell, you know, not just wanting to move on from this. But I think it also shows how much he's brought this fan base back. Um, You know, when Quintricia left this, it it, it wasn't quite as downtrodden as after Matt Millen and Owen 16 and people wearing bags over their head to the game, but (laughs) it was a pretty, he he was, he was on the, he was on the Owen 16 team. Right. Dan Campbell. You're right. I forgot about that. (laughs) He knows. Right. So I didn't know that. I, was I, he the one with the bag on his head? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's one Different that had the metal helmet. mullet. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think what it is, it's 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 actually a testament to how successful he's been over the last season and a half, where of course, you know, hope sprung eternal during the draft and hope sprung eternal for the first five games, and then everyone else was checked out. Here we are in January, yeah. heading into the playoffs. And we have a fan base out there who is so in, invested and, and, and so engaged that they're spending money on on billboards to say that they were robbed. So I understand Dan Campbell wanting to keep his team focused and to block out the noise. But I also think this uh, the fact that somebody spent money on these billboards shows how much he's really brought this fan base back. No question. 100%. They won the division no. for the first time in 30 years. It's exciting. He's changed the culture of of, of our own damaged psyches, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. Some people probably built up a bank account over all these years of putting money aside, and <laughs> now they can spend right. it and go travel and do things to, 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 to check out those lions wherever they are. Right. So, it, look, it, it's a lot of fun, and, and hopefully it is a long playoff run. January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month, and the Genesee Human Oppression Strike Team, or GHOST, they'll be rolling out a number of billboards all over to, all over the state to fight human trafficking. And Genesee County Sheriff Chris Swanson talks about the campaign with Tom Jordan and Kevin Dietz on All Talk. There is a, a tremendous program that has been developed by the Sheriff of Genesee County. It's designed to directly confront one of the most insidious and most prevalent criminal activities in the state of Michigan is sex trafficking, and it's all over the place. And uh, Sheriff Swanson, Kevin, he's not shying shying away from this. He keeps reminding us, us regular folks and parents, that sex traffickers are everywhere in the state. 
Yeah, if you haven't heard of GHOST, uh, you will soon. It stands for Genesee Human Oppression Strike Team. Uh, and the plan is to put up 62 billboards across Michigan. I'm looking at a map right now of where this menacing ghost figure is going to appear. And it's almost entirely, uh, it, almost everywhere in the state of Michigan, from the UP uh, down to the south, east to west. Uh, the ghost will be uh, on a highway uh, that you travel on. Uh, here to talk about it is Chris Swanson, Genesee. County Sheriff. Good morning, Sheriff. How are you? Good morning. Thank you for uh, making a difference. Uh, appreciate you being here. Appreciate everything you do. Uh, tell us tell us about the, the, the need for more attention on this awful issue in Michigan. It started when I did international operations in 2017. I was in Mexico and in Haiti, and I was working with an organization, and, and I saw the need there. And I realized that for 25 years in Genesee County, we've had the same need but no concept team to specifically target the movement of humans for sex, child sexual activity, all those online predators. That's where Go started in 2018. We've been operating in all those counties you just mentioned in your uh, in your uh, beginning, and it is there to do what most people are not able to do, and that is to identify predators, hold them accountable, and save kids. Absolutely. It's a difficult uh, but necessary ad campaign. This is something we have to talk about. It. You can't ignore it if you want the problem to go away. What has what the task force learned about this crime and, and what are some of the best ways to, to put an end to it? So you can learn about what you can do by literally searching anything about human trafficking enforcement, specifically ghosts. You'll see what we do. And human trafficking, in order to rid it, starts with education, awareness, operations is what we do and then of course the aftercare where we take care of these victims that have been trafficked 20 30 times in a day and it's not only that but it's also people that are being sextorted you've got people that are listening right now that know exactly what i'm talking about where they were sent a text or an email or a facebook direct message something and they got sucked into sending a picture or a video that they are mortified by and they are being sextorted many times these people take their own lives or so just completely deflated and destroyed. We're going after those people too. So sex, sex trafficking is a wide swath of, of predators and they are not going to relent. That's why ghost is not going to stop. I, you know what? I, I'm glad you brought up the whole social media aspect of this because I know Facebook or the parent company Meta has come out and say, yeah, we're going to crack down on this, but they have failed miserably in doing this. And you look at Instagram, their algorithms, uh, they are connecting users to accounts that are involved in the the creation of all this underage sexual content pornography child pornography so i want can you emphasize how much of a problem that is for i've talked to someone who worked in the industry trying to crack down on this he said the the sex trafficking is occurring right now in every single high school in the state is it that bad you know, and I hate to be so dismal to your listeners, but it is the truth. And I say that the old creepy white van that we were told don't park next to is on our phones right now. That is the portal. That's what they're using to get into the houses, the bedrooms, the minds of people that are vulnerable, not just kids. These are all vulnerable people. And they're not going to stop because the the online presence is unlimited. It's infinite. Once they take and they make a profile, they'll take that person onto a chat site and there's hundreds of those out there and then they'll start building that relationship. We call that grooming. So it's not going to stop and it's a global industry, the fastest growing criminal enterprise in the world. 
Yeah, and I watched your video you just put out on, I think it was Instagram, and you were talking about grooming specifically, and that's kind of the point of the billboard is to remind people that groomers are all over the place, and you're inviting people to get involved, and you have some training programs to do that. What is that, and how effective will that be, do you think, to get the public awareness where it needs to be? You know, I made that statement, if you don't love your kids, somebody else will, to create a an emotion because it's like your our life is a glass, and we're either going to fill it with something constructive or somebody else is going to fill that space with something destructive. So as a parent myself, I have to be intentional on educating, communicating, building a relationship. That's what I'm trying to stir is what – and when was the last time you've talked to your loved ones about what's on their phone? What are they doing? Who are they talking to? Has anybody ever reached out and tried to get you to do something that you'd be ashamed of? You know, you can talk to me about anything. You don't ever have to be embarrassed. That's what the goal of the, this entire billboard campaign is, is to start conversations. The number one thing you can do out there as listeners is to be aware that it's happening and protect those that are closest to you that share your DNA. What about the other side of this, the demand? How, how do we go after those who are engaging in this business? You know, you bring up a great point because 99% of all the consumers of child pornography in the world are the American and European male. And wow. when you look at that stat of those that predators give people to, it is that's why we're able to go in these other countries to pose as undercover operators because we are the usual consumers. And so that demand is so high. The reason I do these press briefings and I hold accountable the people that we arrest, it's not to shame them or not to, to create uh, you know, uh, a negative you know, uh, response by people around them. It's to let you know that if you engage in this activity, you're going to be held accountable. And that was Sheriff Chris Swanson from Genesee County taking a, uh, a unique approach to fighting human trafficking. And uh, I got to say, I'm a little biased. I've been a big fan of uh, Swanson ever since that video of him saying, let's walk when he was walking with the uh, protesters after the death of George Floyd. He really got that crowd on his side.